Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, Today's episode, I think, is going to be a little different from the typical Soul Talk episode. Uh, But as always, you know that I love to bring on people from all walks of life, regardless of religion, spirituality, politics, and I like to dive deep into matters of the soul. I think today is going to be no different. Uh, I think it's going to be, it's going to challenge some of you. I think it's going to expand some of you. I think it's going to inspire many of you. Uh, So I just invite you to get your pens and papers ready. Come with an open heart, open mind. We're going to dive deep today, folks. My guest today, I had the pleasure of meeting him. I think it was in 2009 or 10 at what was the Elevate Film Festival. I, I came up with a, a short video called Love Now, which some of you may have seen, and uh, it was screened and featured at Elevate. And uh, it was such a beautiful experience, and that's where I met my guest, the amazing Mickey Willis, and I've had the chance to get to know him and observe him over the years. And I'll tell you, I have nothing but so much respect for who he is, what he's up to in the world. It's been a while. I haven't seen him in, I don't know, it was five, six years. And then... This little movie popped into my mailbox uh, about a year, year and a half ago. Some of you may have seen it. Plandemic blew my mind. Um, I was challenged. I was intrigued. I was curious. It brought up more questions, but it really got me thinking about the world and what we're going through right now. So, folks, regardless of where you are in the map politically or what your beliefs are, um, this is going to be a very powerful conversation. So get ready. So my guest today if you don't already know, is the amazing filmmaker, uh, creator, writer, director of Pandemic Movie, Elevate Film Festival, the amazing Mickey Willis. Mickey, welcome. It's so good to be here and really good to see you. It has been at least six years and we actually met in 2007 or eight. Was it that? It was before Elevate, huh? Well, the last Elevate was in 2008. Wow. It must have been right in 2008 then. Yeah. yeah, it must have been 2000. I remember if we were in the, the auditorium, was it at Nokia or it was at the big Nokia. auditorium in downtown? That's 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 where I remember the screening was. So it's great go. to reconnect, man. It's been a while. So, Mickey, one of the things I I've always loved about you is your ability to, to tell stories, especially challenge, you know, the way we think typically our paradigms. But um, I really love your courage in the way you do that as well. And so I'm curious just to start the conversation to to give people a bit of a context. I'm always fascinated to find out a bit bit about people's backgrounds. I'd love to hear about how did you, how did you find your purpose as a filmmaker? What was the inspiration for that? How did that come about? Was there a moment that you knew this is what you were born to do? Was it something you grew up dreaming about? Tell me a bit about that. That's actually a great place to start because I, I don't feel like I've really found my purpose until pandemic. Wow. 
I, I thought that filmmaking was my purpose. And, and I realized it's just the tool, it's just the medium. And so the, the, the purpose is really um, more aligned with truth-telling, with um, honoring the power of filmed media in its rightest form, such that we can do something that, that moves us forward and, and helps us evolve. And so that, that form of storytelling, no matter what medium it is, I, I'm now clear that that is my purpose, because when I'm doing it, um, I have to remind myself to eat, to sleep, because I'm so fired up that it's it just keeps me going, and it and it's, and it's incredibly rewarding. But all that idea that I had before years ago about you know the very typical kind of Hollywood plight that I was on to you know create what I call the the difference is entertainment. I, I I'm not interested in creating entertainment anymore because I, I I see that we have a lot of distractions in our in our lives that are pulling us out of what matters in our in our world, and so. Um, you know, before I was focused on all of the the different accolades that come with being a Hollywood filmmaker, which is awards and winning film festivals and striving for an Oscar one day. And now I, I see through all of that. None of it matters at all to me anymore. Um, I don't even put credits on our, my films anymore because uh, it's really not about that. It's not about trying to gain credit or status in, in my community any longer. I don't even know what my community is anymore, except for the the, the human uh, human race. Um, the community that you and I met through, which was largely the yoga and wellness and self-help, new age, whatever you want to call it, LA world. Um, I, I can't say that I uh, feel as connected with that the majority of that tribe any longer. Um, and I find myself very open to just being with, um, with true people, local people. And so, but in answer to your question that, that I've just found my purpose in the past couple of years, but filmmaking is the tool through which I express that purpose. Was there, a, was there a, just especially for those that may not know, was there a, an incident, a moment that, triggered or led you in the direction of finding that specific purpose like was what was what was the moment what was the 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 well the you know the, the event what, what what led to that like yeah, there wasn't there wasn't that changed me and shaped me and that was that i was at the world trade center 2001 and uh, did search and rescue and body recovery for three days and had a profound experience on the rubble itself came back and suddenly everything that was okay to me prior to that, I had a very successful career in music video directing. Um, and, but suddenly I looked at all, all my videos and I thought, is this the way that I, do I feel good about portraying the women this way? Do I feel good about the commercial products that I helped sell through directing commercials? And I realized that not, none of it was, you know, that at that point I didn't have children. And I thought, would I show any of this stuff to my children? But I said, this is, this is daddy's legacy. And, and I was really kind of blown away at that. Uh, there was nothing within my um, portfolio that I would be really proud to show my sons. And uh, which I have two, uh, two now, a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. And they, they, they also changed my world. But it was that, that exciting incident at the World Trade Center that had me come back into LA, kind of reassess my position there and realize I, I'm, I'm not interested in being part of this machinery anymore. And so I went away for a year and a half and that's when the idea for Elevate Film Festival emerged. 
And I came back and created the film festival because I thought if I, I, I love the expression of media and producing and directing and storytelling, but I thought, you know, let's elevate it. Let's, let's, and I know other artists feel the same way. So let's, let's find out what's right with the world. What's, what's good about humanity. Um, because all we hear on television and, and seeing the movies is mostly, you know, the downside of humanity. And so, you know, after doing that festival, which was three and a half year tour, which, which really was very successful. Um, it really left me awakened to the power of media and, and really remembering as a child, what my, that there was a, something driving me an intrinsic primal desire to do something important that would actually be a, a positive asset uh, that I would leave behind for humanity and whatever that might be, just, just serving humanity in some way. And I couldn't find, um, I couldn't find the ability to do that through the system of Hollywood. And so I just went out and decided to, you know, create my own game. What led to pandemic? Well, what led to pandemic, the, the full story is my brother uh, died of bad AIDS treatments. Um, and uh, 34 days later, my mom died of bad cancer treatments. Wow. And now the AIDS treatment that my brother died of is called AZT. And that was prescribed by Anthony Fauci during the AIDS epidemic. And it turned out to be that that medicine that he had touted as being the, the miracle cure uh, actually killed thousands and thousands of people. It, uh, it did the opposite of what it was supposed to do. It killed the T cells and is now very well known that it, 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 it was the, the main culprit for many, many of the um, AIDS related deaths um, here in, in the United States and, and abroad, particularly in Africa. And so um, when I recognized that, um, well, I'll back up a little bit. I was directing a movie called The Narrative, a documentary which was uh, really about exposing the mainstream media and how it has been infiltrated and corrupt to uh, literally serve as a lapdog for politicians and to divide the people because when the people are divided, then the politicians can come in with the solution. Um, and, or when the people are scared enough, you know, that's why I wear the sh shirts like this, when the people are fearful enough, then the politicians can come in with a solution and say, vote for me. I'm the only one that cares about you and I will fix the problem. And they never do. Um, but, uh, you know, recognizing that, that that's how the game worked. I was, I was directing a, a movie to expose the mainstream media and, um, and I was working with top whistleblowers from all over the world. And they were telling me that because of what was going on in politics, because of the, the infighting that was happening in uh, really on all sides, uh, that there would be a major event of 9-11 proportion to, be, to watch out for. All these whistleblowers were saying the same thing. They said, this is how it works. When, when stuff starts to get revealed in this game of politics, then there's always a diversion. There's a war that's created. There's mass shootings. There's... So, you know, viruses, there's, you know, something that, that, that gets stirred up. And so I was very curious that all of them were saying the same thing. And then, you know, two weeks later, the pandemic was announced. And I had um, already been introduced to Judy Michaelvitz, was, who was the uh, main speaker of Pandemic One. And so I reached out to her because uh, she had direct experience with Anthony Fauci. And I, I was amazed having known his background with the AIDS epidemic and, and what a de debacle that was. I was amazed. I didn't even know that he was still holding his position in America. 
And so I reached out to her and said, um, you know, can we talk? And that talk turned into a, a sit down interview, which became Plandemic One. Mm. When you when you had that conversation with her the first time, I'm curious what the most surprising thing for you to find out was. Well, was I was thinking that 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 shocked you, that surprised you, because yeah. when I saw when I saw the first interview, I was I was pretty blown away, and I thought, can this can this shit be true? It, it can't, how can it be true? And no one is talking about it. The guy puts a movie out and people are telling me, ah, oh, this is not real. But I'm like, but I know this guy, Mickey, and I know he's not going to just put out bullshit. So I got to like look into this. And when I looked into it, I thought it sounds true, you know? And so I'm curious, like, what were some of the things that yeah, shocked, I, shocked I have you? A couple. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for holding that knowing of who I am, because there are a lot of friends that shocked me that know who I am and know that I would never put anything out there that wasn't fully vetted and researched. And, and the idea that, you know, I just wanted to dispel this myth really quick for those who, who might be suspicious that are listening to this right now. Um, the idea that I would do this for money and fame, mm-hmm. um, at right now in this point in our history, anyone who wants to be famous, I think is crazy because in, in the age of, ca- of cancel culture, when, when a single tweet can injure contracts, made everything you work for can, you know, who, who in the world is such a vulnerable position to, and, and it's, it's a position that comes with stifling your self-expression because you have to please the people and you cannot dare speak anything outside the narrative. So who in the world would want to be famous right now? And for those who think I did this for the money, uh, there's an entire story. I, I urge you to read my book that's out right now that explains it, that I turned down $17 million, no strings attached for the pandemic to license the pandemic brand. Um, $17 million. $17 million and um, guaranteed a million dollars on signing and 17 through the course of 90 days. Um, and, um, and so it's not about that. And so thank you for holding that, uh, that knowing of who I am. I, I appreciate that Coop, very much. Um, the, you know, so it, it, when the movie came out, um, well, let me go back and answer your first question. Make sure I get that answered. What, what surprised me that what Judy shared with me, having already known, because of my direct experience with losing family members to bad medicine and, and realizing, you know, through the process of dissecting all the, all the advice that was given to my brother and my mother by, you know, doctors they trusted that turned out to be deadly advice that killed them. I, I already had a distrust for the system itself, and, and I knew the system was broken. Um, but when Judy started to break down for me what happened to her, and I have talked to so many people who have known Judy for decades and everyone, and I I know her now incredibly well. And this is one of the most honest, integral human beings you will ever meet. She wouldn't lie if you paid her. And she does not, she speaks exactly what's on her mind. She never censors for anything or anyone. And if you ask her, 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 she's in service to God. That, that is, she wants to do as much good as she can on this planet before she leaves her body. That's what she lives for. And so um, when she told me that she was asked to, um, to partake in something illegal through her laboratory and the extent they went to, because most of the scientists get stuck at between a rock and a hard place. And, uh, and it's a 
learning more about that game, which I've now interviewed dozens of doctors about this particular aspect of, of science. And that is, it's very common for the heads of a laboratory to approach a scientist. Um, here, here's one quick story that a, a, another professor told me. She said that um, the two heads of her, of her lab came to her and they said, um, we have a $23 million grant that has been, um, uh, it's ready to go, it's been accepted. The problem is, is our, our partner is out on a boat for the next several days. We need her signature today. And um, she would totally be okay with, since you know her so well, with you signing her name, she's all for this, of course. And if we don't get this grant, our lab is not funded for this year. So we're all out of the job. Um, would you sign her name? And this professor said, you want me to forge a signature? And they said, no, no, no. It's just, you know, it, we just need, and she said, I, I'm, I can't do that. And they said, you understand what we're saying here. We're saying you're going to be out of a job. So they were threatened to fire her in kind of an underhanded way. You're going to be out of a job. That is, we're all out of a job because we won't have money. Um, so we really need you to do this. And she said, no. And she said, no, because she said, the game is this. They get me to sign a signature today and do a little forgery, which is a felony, um, for a $23 million grant. And then if I see anything happening within the lab that I don't like, they hold it over my head that they have a felony against me. And then the next criminal activity that comes on my desk, I better go along with it. She says, this is how it works. And, and so I started, she said, ask other doctors and they'll tell you, ask other scientists, they'll tell you on or off camera, ask them. And I, sure enough, all of them said, it's a very dirty game that's played. And it's why so many doctors are remaining silent right now because their grants depend upon, you know, and they have, they have patent grants and everything that they'll lose. And so when Judy told me how that worked and that they actually set her up, planted a notebook in her, in her home that she was renting from one of the um, heads of the lab, she was renting a home from them. So they had access to her place, planted a notebook in there and then said, you will go to prison if you don't, you know, obey us because now you're caught with something stolen, you know, intellectual property from the lab, which they planted. That blew my mind. And I've since then talked to two of her attorneys. Um, one of the uh, uh, prosecutors that were in, in, uh, early on that was get, starting to get involved through the attorneys and all of them corroborate her, her story. And so that, that blew my mind that, that we have that kind of uh, evil corruption within our science um, in, institutions. Why is it, and this is kind of a side question, when we hear stuff like this, yeah. right? Why is it so hard for us as human beings to, to be open yeah. to a different version of what we've been told? Because I know a lot of people that saw your film, Pandemic, and just, you know, the, the censorship, a lot of people laughed at me for even sending it to them. Right. And, and, and so when faced with certain facts, human beings, sometimes we tend to deny it. We tend to not be open. We tend to look in the other direction. Like, what have you found or what is that mechanism? Because, you know, as you mentioned, and I certainly don't know as, as much as you, but as you mentioned, Dr. Fauci, he's been out there for decades. There's a lot of information out there about him, yet he's still up on stage running things. And how is it that 
stuff isn't more known? How is it that people aren't asking more questions? I'm not saying I have the answer, but how is it that people aren't asking more questions? Like, wait a second, yeah. eight, one plus two, and this thing happened and that thing happened. And well, now, you, now you're getting to the good stuff because, uh, you know, it's th these are the things that we need to look at. These are the questions we need to ask ourselves. And it's very similar, if I can use kind of a, a, a metaphor of comparison. Um, there, there are, we've all known people in our world that they know that their spouse is not loyal. I knew a lady once that knew that her spouse, he was a traveling businessman, and she knew she had a lot of reasons. She's found lipstick on the collar and shirt smelling like perfume and, and, and phone numbers with, and looking at his phone with two and a half hour phone calls at midnight, you know, and, and she knew it, but she did not, they had two children and he provided a good life. And so it was eating her up inside because she wanted to know the truth, but she didn't because knowing the truth would mean disrupting her comfort and there are certain things that we strive for in this life, life, and convenience and comfort is one of them. We don't want things to be difficult. We, we'd rather believe a comfortable lie than an uncomfortable truth. And so that's, that's one of the things we have to get over. Um, and, and then the other part of that is the, the ego is um, so rooted within our society that if we have been the person to have shared our opinion strongly, perhaps even shamed other people for not getting a vaccine or not listening to the science or whatever the catchphrase is of the week, and then we start to open up to realizing, you know, which is kind of, I get cards and letters every single day, and it's people, a lot of apologies, a lot of people saying, whoa, Okay, so it turns out Anthony Fauci is not a good guy. It turns out every the major points in your movies, you said it was the virus was created through gain of function research and that it was funded through the NIH and, and that it was, you know, through the Wuhan lab. And all, all of that now, the paper trail is showing up to that that's accurate. And so what do we do with that information? You know, um, and it's hard for people. It's um, it's. It's very similar. The process that I'm witnessing a lot of people going through right now is very similar to what they've mapped out and, and called the five stages of grief. First, it's just plain denial. Yeah. Right. And then it's anger. You bargain, you know, a, until you finally reach the, the, the stage of acceptance. And it's it's people don't want to go through that if they can just stay in their fantasy world and believe I mean, I mean, look, I understand it. I have compassion for that. We want to believe that the people that we've been listening to about our health, we want to believe that the vaccines that we were told to put into our children at day one were good for them. We don't want to consider that, God, perhaps my children's, uh, my child's allergies, my, my, my child's seizures, my, my, my children's, uh, uh, you know, sleep issues or, or, or ADHD or behavior issues or whatever, maybe it was caused by a choice that I had made. And I don't want to, it's hard for me if, if I accept that, then the whole dominoes fall and I have to take responsibility and perhaps even have to apologize to a lot of people in my life. And it's hard for the ego to allow that to happen. So they just hang on tight 
And that's a real dangerous stage that a lot of people are in right now, even though the evidence is right in front of them. Because when you deny what's real, when you deny what's in front of you, you have to actually shut off certain capacities within your cognitive system. And it actually makes you dumber because now you're, you're forcing yourself to not see what's right in front of you. And this is why we, you know, we deal in video and we're amazed at all the time that we, we do high profile criminal cases and we can have closed circuit camera footage of a crime and showing somebody shoot somebody after they rob them. And, and depending on what the politics are around it, some people will say it didn't happen. Oh no, here it is. Watch the video. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't, that's a deep fake that I, I don't, that's, uh, that's a, you know, whatever. And they, they won't see what's right in front of them. And that, that's creating kind of a mass psychosis that we're all dealing with right now. It's, 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 it's dangerous, but I also believe that we're going to, we're going to come out of this um, and heal and be smarter and more unified and aware than we've ever been. One thing that popped into my mind that, that people have asked me, and maybe they have this question right now, we talk about Fauci. In your book, you also talk about Bill Gates, mm -hmm. and that was a whole new education for me. Um, but the question that I think I've had, people have had, people might have, someone like Bill Gates, Guy is a freaking multi-hundred billionaire, okay? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is he, how is he going to benefit? He's already got billions of dollars. What, 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 how, how is he going to, you know, make him, he's sitting there in a little room thinking about how to, like, take over the world through vaccinations with a little team and they're brainstorming, like, He's really that evil. I mean, like, like, how does it benefit him? Yeah, is a question that people have. Like, he, it's a great he, question. He's got billions of dollars. I mean, truly. I mean, I, I can't even. I can't answer the question. So yeah. you got to break it down. Like, literally, is he actually sitting there, Mickey, with a table, and they're brainstorming how to, you know, kill off people? And like, what is what is the agenda, the motivation, the benefit, because yeah. it doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, this is where a lot look of people, look, at all the, look at all the philanthropy he's done. I mean, he's helping people. He's anyway, you get my question. Yeah. yeah this is, this is where a lot of people get stuck. And, um, and he's actually done very little philanthropy. He, he's, he's done a lot of, um, Bill Gates doesn't do anything that he doesn't, um, benefit from. So his, the majority of his donations, you can say, you can call it philanthropy, but it's, it's gaining leverage. So, so most of these, most of these tycoons like Bill Gates give to these organizations, you know, millions and billions of dollars annually um, because they buy control. So Bill Gates controls the WHO. He's the largest funder of the WHO, larger than any other nation. And, and he actually, um, the, uh, Tedros Gabriasis, who is the director of the WHO, the very first one that is not a, a medical doctor, Bill Gates ushered him into that position. Tedros Gabriasis was part of the Tigray um, People's Liberation, which is a terrorist group. So imagine taking a leader out of the Taliban and putting them into the WHO. 
It's a very odd choice. And there were tons of uh, uh, protests about it. People could not believe, people that knew who Mr. Gabriel is, could not believe that he was now heading up the World Health Organization. And why would they put somebody like that in there? He's not even a medical doctor. Why would they do that? Because they can control him. So it's all about control. So um, in, in a lot of cases, some of the people that are at the helm of this, they're not doing it for the money because they can print their own money. They can, they can through all of their different scams, they, they can generate money in, in various ways. And, and they have all the money they need for, for many lifetimes. So then what is it about? Well, ultimately it's about control. Ultimately, it's about when you talk about the subject of, and I was very careful in either pandemic to mention these words, but I'm going to here, and it might trigger some people, but you need to look into it. Because now, a year and a half later after pandemic, it seems everyone's ready to hear this now. And that is when you, when you look deeply into the history of the depopulation program, it is written, these people are, they, if you look back into the 60s, into what was written from an organization called the Club of Rome, which Bill Gates and Henry, Henry Kissinger and a lot of other moguls are part of. When you look back at what their doctrine is and what they, what they said they were going to do and why they were going to do it, that's just one organization. But when you look at UN agendas and all, all these different agendas, you understand that, that lowering the world's population is a big part of it. Um, and, and Bill Gates has even said it on in a TED Talk on stage, you know, that if we do a good job with vaccines, we can lower the world's population by 10 or 15%. That a lot of people make a big deal about that. I'm very anti-conspiracy theorist. I, I when people go too far, it just it drives me crazy because it makes it hard for guys like me. I'm doing grounded research, and I don't put anything in my films that I can't. Uh, Pandemic two, the reason you saw every patent and every every bit of research on screen zoomed in and highlighted was because I realized that people won't do their own research, so we need to show it to them. Um, and on that note, too, I offered a, a substantial financial reward to anyone that could disprove one major claim in either pandemic. And I put that online for six and a half months and no one could take it. Wow. And so but now we're a year and a half later, no one's trying to take it anymore because they realize that everything that we said, the most outlandish things that we said, now people are going we told them we told them what was coming. You know, we said you, you, you're you're never going to be fully vaccinated. You're going to get one. They're going to tell you that's not fully vaccinated. You're going to get two. That's not fully vaccinated. You're going to get three. Then how many boosters are you going to get? And what damage is that doing to your body when we've not? I, I'm all for the concept of vaccines, but not a vaccine that's an mRNA. Where I'm sitting, standing right now, the creator of the mRNA vaccine technology, Dr. Robert Malone, was here about a month ago. And this is a man who's become a whistleblower. He created the technology. And he's saying it's incredibly deadly the way they're using it. It's passing the blood-brain barrier. It's going through the whole bloodstream. And we have no idea what the long-term effects are going to be of these vaccines. And you cannot vaccine, you cannot vaccinate a global population during a pandemic. All you're going to do is train the viruses to be more intelligent to work around the vaccines, which is where we're getting the new variants from. And so these are all the things that we, we warn the world about. And now people are starting to, some of my most uh, intense haters are starting to, call me now, even some of the journalists to say, would you like to do a follow-up interview? I think that we judged wrongly a year ago, and we'd love to now talk about some of this new information. And now, now the line of subject is, how did you know? And that's what they're all asking me. How did you know ahead of time? And I said, well, it's not, there's no predictions. I'm not psychic. And I didn't know a lot of it. It was the people that I chose to put in my movies that knew. They're the brilliant ones. 
but it just takes a little bit of knowing history and how these things work. You know, as I was telling a friend on the phone today, I said, because he, he was confused about all the misinformation that he's, he's, he's gotten two shots now. And he was just, he's confused because they're saying, now they're saying I should get my two twins inoculated. And what should I do? And he's so confused. And I said, well, you haven't discovered the magic trick yet. It, this is like magic. And if you understand the moment when we were children and we would marvel, the woman gets sawed in half and it's like, oh my God. But the moment you realize that it's all an illusion, it's all a trick, you can still marvel at, at how skilled a magician is with the sleight of hand. But never again will you freak out when you see the boxes separated because you know that woman is not being, you know, there's two women in each side of the box. You know how the trick works. And so once you understand how the, the, the trick, this stuff works, then you, you don't get trapped by it anymore because you're always looking for the trick hand, you know, not the hand that pulls a rabbit out of the hat, but the hand that's actually stuffing the cards in the pocket or the pulling the balls out or whatever, you know what so, to look for. So I want to just clarify again, what is the intention the depopulation? Yeah. Just, so and, 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 and another piece of that, I'm going to throw in another piece of the question because sure. this, this is very interesting is, okay, Bill Gates. I had a lot of respect for Bill Gates as a business guy years ago. Yeah. Now I'm like, huh? Okay. And maybe his intention is it possible? His intention is to help humanity. Like his intention is to do good, to help people. I thought so. Be his, so, so, but, but, so are you, this is what I'm trying to clarify. Are you saying he's sitting around with not so good intention, like intentionally having not great intention? Because it's, it, it's, 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 you know, my brain is processing. And anyway, let me, I'm going to throw that piece into the question. Is it, is it really that difficult for us to believe that there are evil people that would want to kill a lot of people? This is the way humanity has always operated. Every war, everyone who incites any war knows that thousands of innocent people are going to perish. And, and the U.S. is behind a lot of those wars. And it's been for other people's resources. We go to, you know, uh, Middle Eastern nations and bomb the shit out of them and leave orphans with, with dead, dead parents. Mm. We've been doing that forever. So is it really that big of a stretch for us to believe? What we're fooled by is the charisma. We're fooled by these, the people that have these personas that seem so nerdy and lovable and kind and but of course i mean look at what every every serial killer who's ever been caught what did their next door neighbor say he was the nicest guy i can't believe he was the nicest this is what they say about every one of them they're cunning that way and so it's it shouldn't be that big of a leap for us to consider that there are really greedy very wicked people but you have to understand their mindset first because to them, they're not killing people. There's a dehumanization agenda that's going on right now. And if you listen to people talking about the unvaccinated right now, you know, they're trash. They're immoral. They should be exterminated. Lock them away. Put them in camps. This is the same thing the Nazis did to the Jews. Once you can demoralize and look at people as they're they're so, they're so stupid. They're so dangerous. They're parasites. All they're doing is polluting the planet. All they're doing is, is, is littering 
you know, they're toxic, they're dangerous, they're disease filled. It, it, you have to shift into that mindset to understand that if you think that way, and if you can convince yourself that that is so, then you can do atrocities to people because you've dehumanized them. You're taking out the trash. And uh, what, what's, here's what's going on to further answer your question. And, yeah. and there's more to it. Um, because of technology, you know, we're reaching a point. They, they say that we're reaching a point where we're um, maximum population on the planet, which is not even close to being true. Uh, the, the, these numbers vary, but uh, of livable land and of land, uh, on planet Earth, not ocean. It's about 20, I think 29%, something like that. There's about three to 5% of that that's not inhabitable. It's high desert, it's Antarctica, it's places that you humans really wouldn't survive. So it leaves the minimum of 20% of land on Earth that's livable land. We could inhabit it. Take a drive through Montana someday and, and just drive for hundreds of miles without seeing one home. Tons of places around the United States like that. We live on less than 2% of livable land. Yet if you look at it, two, less than two. And if you look at the UN agendas, like Agenda 21 and Agenda 30, and if you look deeply at their agendas, one of their goals is to move everyone into smart cities, what, which will be completely fully monitored, under surveillance, smart cities, which is already coming. 5G is a big part of that. Um, and they're trying to move everyone into the cities. And... Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that they wouldn't try to move people out of the cities and start getting people in, go to the rural areas, spread out a little bit. You know, we, we, we're, we're tapping our resources. And, and to some extent, we are doing great damage to the territories where we have overpopulated. Great damage. Go to India and check it out. You know, but if we were to spread out and to learn to, to do what we did in the beginning, which is to live off the land, to generate our own food, our own water, our own power, we don't need the city grid. We don't need the resources. And that's what they don't want. Years ago, when I learned, when I was deeply involved as an environmentalist into um, different aspects of how, how to deal with the water pollution and water shortage, I was amazed to learn that in some states within the United States, it's illegal to catch your own rain. Hmm. In other states, they limit how much you can catch. And I thought, that is the most absurd thing ever. It's falling from the sky. What could possibly be the reason for not encouraging and even incentivizing everyone to catch your own rain yeah. and, and, and get off the city water supply because it's a limited supply? And this pandemic answered that question for me. Because what was the, one th the two things that they threatened? Any shop owner that refused to close down, they said, we're going to turn off your power and your water. So it's about control, Coot. If you're not on the grid, if you're sovereign, and you have the ability to generate your own income, this is about, this pandemic has been about disrupting everything in our lives, killing the economy, <clears throat> closing small businesses. So we all have to order from Amazon and all the big multinational corporations, which are in charge, to kill the sovereignty of people, to get everyone used to receiving a monthly stipend, which is a welfare mm -hmm. from our government. And the moment we become dependent upon their monthly stipends, they own us. And so the part about technology that I just started to mention that is very important for people to understand is we used to be very easily controlled because when I was growing up as a kid, there were three, three networks. 
And it was very easy for them to control three networks. And now there's something they call independent news. And that is you, me, anyone. We can turn on our camera, create a YouTube channel or whatever platform we choose, and we become our, our own citizen media channel. This is a threat to the establishment because now we're sharing information like we've never had before. We're getting smarter in that way. We're not, we're not, we've lost trust in the media. So we're finding our own facts. We're realizing how much of our history and everything we've been taught is an absolute lie. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then we have the, the AI and automation, which is the other big problem for the, these elite factor. Because I just got back from Home Depot. And I could not find, I had an item that didn't have a price tag on it. So I couldn't go to the self-check. Not a person working at the cash registers. It was self-check or nothing. Wow. And and so, and I was in Target a couple of weeks ago. And I realized, I'm like, there's there's two cash registers open and there's 12 self-help kiosks now. So we're reaching the the age of of automation. What does this mean for the people who, who have seen us you have been very smart ever since I've known you. You've been an entrepreneur and you've been generating your own income, your own money. You haven't been um, a sucker to the system in the same way. And, but, but a majority of us have been. And so we are the worker bees. And, and it's, this is the way it's been since the cradle of civilization. It's been the elite class, the master class, and the slave class. And so we have been the worker bees keep us making just enough money to survive, but not enough to have sovereignty. And, and so, but now as automation's coming, what do we do with all the useless worker bees? It's a real thing, Coop. They, they, there's all kinds of doctrines. It's carved in stone in, in the Georgia, the Georgia Guidestones. It's, it's, it's everywhere where they talk about how the optimal, you know, amount of humans on the planet and it's far less every one of their papers that they talk about this it's far less than it is right now the lowest that i've heard is five hundred thousand is is a goal and this is carved in stone in this georgia guidestones who it's getting interesting who who is before you continue yeah so who is deciding this agenda who is you you talked about the they right yeah who who is the they Uh, uh, well the people sitting around planning kind of what you're beginning to break down are they sitting around a table like like who's planning this so i i have um some of the most interesting conversations with some of the most um powerful intelligent people on the planet they they sit around my kitchen table um and I'm it, people at the very top of big tech, top of military, um, medical establishment, politics. And the majority of them will say, we will never know who the top, top people are. They're nameless. We'll never know who they are. They all seem to agree on this. I don't know, but the, I'll, I'll just repeat what they share because I'll ask them this question. And they'll say, well, if you're talking about who the, the they that pulls the strings are real puppet masters, we'll never know their names. But there's certainly a long list of people that are um, second tier masters and they can be classified as globalists. You hear this sometimes people and the media tries to make it some kind of a right wing propaganda thing, but it's not. It's, 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 they even call themselves this because 
they believe and they 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 pass it off as a benevolent um a benevolent mission that w- they want a one world government a one world currency ultimately it's it's global domination it's a global control and they're working in tandem with the leaders of china the ccp and other other nations and these are the people who tend they have meetings a couple of times a year and when you see the names it's always the same names and and they're on each other's boards and they control our lives they control the world when you understand there's a company called blackrock yeah. have you heard of yeah so blackrock owns everything yeah. investment investment firm. investment firm it's an asset management firm and they own everything they're right now gobbling up as everything forecloses because people are put out of a job over the last two years they're gobbling up commercial real estate and private real estate like you cannot believe who else owns a ton of it china owns a ton of the us a ton of the bahamas a ton of all these beautiful areas that that we would assume were owned domestically they're not they're owned by foreign adversaries like the ccp mm-hmm. these are real serious things you know that we need to start paying attention to and then who owns the most farmland in the united states bill gates why does bill gates own all the farmland you know what is what does he want to do with that that's all part of the agenda and if they can buy it up and control it all if you see every one of their actions in the same way that he he funds almost every single fact checker out there mm-hmm. you will not see um i had dropbox if i put anything we don't use dropbox anymore because we realize how corrupt they are or how controlled they are i should say if i put anything about bill gates in, in a private password protected file just for my internal use for my team about bill gates they delete it internally that man has power there too wow. and so um and i and so the reason in pandemic 2 that i had to get the uh, the man mr gonzalves Dr. Gonzalez from the Indian parliament the reason i had to do a phone call with him a zoom call was because almost everything regarding bill gates's crimes what he's done in india and other nations the sterilization and paralyzation of of tens of thousands of young women which i first started researching 10, 11 years ago it it it's wiped off the internet i had to get a hold of the man who ran the parliament investigation against the gates foundation and they kicked him out of the country for doing for crimes against humanity and the indian parliament swore that he would never be allowed back and through his money and it just just consistent funding and and buying out people he's back in india and and a lot of the indians just can't believe it it's like we know what he did to us you know they, they he did a trial in india where they told women and children they're getting wellness shots they called it and it was the you know had to do with the hpv um vaccination and it it maimed tons of children and you know there's people that will talk about it and they're scared to talk about it but but it happened and so how many of those things do does bill gates need to um how many uh, you know let's just say it's incompetence it's not as i said earlier i said i used to believe that i thought he's just really out of touch with humanity that he keeps making these horrible mistakes but it's not and if you understand the history um when bill gates was asked what his greatest inspiration was on camera during a tv show 
He said his father's work with Margaret Sanger. His father was on the board of Planned Parenthood, high up, one of the one of the ran it basically. Um, Margaret Sanger has finally been outed. Her statue's taken down because finally the stuff that us conspiracy theorists have been saying for years, she was a racist. And she put up, she put most of her Planned Parenthoods in black neighborhoods to, to reduce the population of black people. And so finally black BLM caught onto this. And then uh, just last year, Planned Parenthood had to denounce them, you know, you know, separate themselves from their founder, but that doesn't make the history go away. And that is Bill Gates's father was partners with Margaret Sanger. Bill Gates was Bill Gates Senior. William H. Gates Senior was also on the um, Eugenics Society of America. He was a member of Eugenics Society of America. What is eugenics? Eugenics is the extermination of lesser people. And so, when Bill Gates says his greatest inspiration was his dad's work with Margaret Sanger, and he had says in this interview, he started to get into it. They said, "Why is that inspiring to you?" He says, "Well, that gets into a territory that's dangerous for me to talk about on television." So what's he talking about? He's saying there's a real need. And most of them will say straight out. They say it on camera. You know, it's like people, I used to cringe when people would talk about the NWO, the New World Order. People, I would just cringe at that. I want to hear about the Illuminati, the New World Order, all that crap. What is this stuff? I just want to believe everyone's good. Yeah. But now we have leaders all over the world on camera. I have terabytes of drives of people saying we're, we're approaching the New World Order. They're calling it that now. Chicago's mayor said it twice on camera. Mm-hmm. And so this is what people have been warning us about forever. I didn't listen until the last couple of years. I'm listening now. Deep breaths, man. <laughs> I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm taking some deep breaths. Folks, if you're listening to this conversation, hold on. Take some deep breaths. Take a, a drink of water because uh, it's, it's deep. It's deep. So end game, depopulation. In-game control. is control. In-game is control. And it's, it's, you can't control 8 billion um, people that have access to technology that we have right now. And so, you know, not only are we a threat to the resources, um, you know, we are. We're a threat to the resources. Um, so, but we're also a threat by, by our numbers. And, if, and when you have um, love them or hate them. I, I, I don't really, I, I go back and forth with people like Elon Musk, where I think, you know, he, some of the stuff he's doing could really actually add to um, uh, the, our, our dangerous future. And I think a lot of stuff he's done has been a really amazing service to humanity at the same time. So I don't, I don't, I don't know how to fully judge him yet. But people like Elon Musk is a massive threat. Somebody who just innovates, invents things. These are the people who, you know, look at all the doctors who've come out with cures for some of our major illnesses, you know, and they just end up shooting themselves in the back of the head twice. You know, it's like this, these are documented. This is, this happens all the time. And, and so there's, there's someone that they don't want cures. They want the problems because the problems make a lot of money and it keeps the people desperate. When we innovate solutions, when we're, when we're, you know, when we have our own resources, that's why Bitcoin and crypto and all this stuff is a massive threat to the system. Because there, now you have these independent, independent people who invested a, a few bucks, uh, you know, $300 10 years ago, and now they're sitting on a, millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. This is a massive threat to the establishment. So they have to, why do you think the closing in, they'll use it under the guise of health safety, right? We're going to yeah. censorship 
And, and then all of a sudden you get all these people voting for censorship. Yeah. And one thing that my movie did, I hear from a lot of people is it was the first time I hear people that uh, one woman, I said it at one of my book signings, she said, um, she said, I've always been for those Nazi right wing people being censored. I don't think they have any, it should have any voice in America, but I'm a 60 year old grandmother and they're censoring me now. And I said, well, of course, of course, <laughs> that's how it works. They, they, they don't stop at the bad guys. We don't want Nazis and racists um, communicated online, but but they, they use them to get you to say, yes, okay. And I always say to people, I say, you know, because I was involved in the 9-11 experience, one dummy went through a metal detector with a bomb and a shoe, and we still take off our shoes today. Oh, yeah. Those liberties never come back. And so all the stuff we're doing now out of fear by, yes, okay, well, we'll go, you can tell us what to wear how close we can stand to our friends, if we can have Christmas or not, you know, if we can drive or not, if we can go to the market or not, we're, we're going to let you do that because we're so afraid of this virus that um, we're just going to do it until this thing gets taken care of, right? Right. Mm -hmm. That thing never gets taken care of mm -hmm. and those liberties never come back. And so the next stage we're moving into is, is climate, climate control. So we're going to have carbon taxes. We're going to be told how many miles a week we can drive, what kind of cars we can drive, if we can drive at all. They're getting us prepped for all of this, all in the guise of the fact that we're going to perish in nine years if we don't do this. Before this you is continue, control. I, I, I want to just touch on censorship <laughs> for a moment because okay. it continues to get more and more interesting. <laughs> so make it censorship. What is our what, what should be our relationship to that be? I mean, it, should it just be, hey, spew whatever you want out there in the world, hate, racism, say whatever the hell you want, hate crime, I mean, whatever. Or should there, is there, where's the line? How do yeah. we navigate that? Because if we say, well, zero censorship, then uh, I don't know. I mean, that could get a little dicey in some right. situations. It's, it's, so it's a, it's a how do we... How do we navigate that? And where do we, yeah. what, what, tell me your thoughts. It's a, it's a tough call. And I, I'm involved in about three different uh, new technology plays right now because of the fact that I'm the most censored filmmaker in history. I get people coming to me, asking me um, to, to consult with their, these new technologies, these new platforms that are, are being built. And the moment they say to me, we're building a, a, a free speech platform. I say, no, you're not. And they go, yeah, yes, we are. I say, what are you going to do the moment someone puts kitty porn on your platform? And they're like, well, I mean, we're going to draw the line. I said, okay, well, that's not free speech. So, so it's not just free speech because I, I don't want to be part of a platform where there's kitty porn. I, I, won't, I won't be anywhere near that. And I don't want to be on a platform where it's, it's inundated by hate or racism or sexism or any of that. And so the, the, the new systems, I think, is we will always have this issue until we get right with ourselves. And then it will become a human regulated system. When we get right with ourselves, when we find out what's at the core of our rage, what's at the core of our hatred, of our fear of each other, what's at the core of our sexual darkness, what's at the core of why is pedophilia so rampant in, in the U.S.? 
Like what's at the core of that? Until we get right psychologically and heal ourselves, then we will always have an issue with that. But if we were to get right with ourselves, then we would self-regulate our sites. We would say, this is a membership site and we've all agreed. We don't need to necessarily have the federal government regulate it, but we as the people say, you don't belong here with that. And we could be reasonable about it right now. Right now, that kind of behavior, the mob rules behavior is, is misused because now we just go, if you voted for someone we don't like, you're out of here. You're a bad yeah. person. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, not, that's not fair. That's not right. We, we, we need diversity of opinions and choices. And that's what makes humanity so beautiful. Mm. But we know what's right and what's wrong. But a lot of some people don't. And if they were to get right with themselves so they, so they know any kind of sexual activity with a child, that's wrong. Can we agree on that together? So that doesn't belong here. Don't cross that line. And if you're just coming here, but if, if you have, you know, you're, you're a black person and you want to spout, you know, black nationalism because you want to live amongst your people only, you have a right to say that. You have a right to bring up that conversation. You have a right to develop that and, and, and find other people who agree with you and go create that reality for yourself. You know, and I should think that a white person should have the same or an Asian person or anyone should be able to talk. These are hot button subjects. But but at the same time, that should be something that that we that would be allowed. But where do you draw that line? There, there's lines that have to be drawn. Yeah. And so I'm not someone who just goes free speech for all for everything. No, because there are certain things that I I don't want to be engaged in. And yeah. and 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 it's a it's a. Um, if we were a big part of what Plandemic 3, and I just announced right now that we're doing Plandemic 3, we'll talk about that later, but a big part of Plandemic 3 is what I'm calling rehumanizing. It's coming back to what we were naturally born to be. It's remembering who and what we truly are. Not a left and the right, a blue and the red, a Democrat and Republican, not so much emphasis on color and height and hair and, you know, whatever. All this stuff that, that we obsess on, our cars and we drive, all the status stuff has nothing to do with nature. We've been segregated from our nature and it's by design. And the same way the medical establishment is trying to segregate us from our natural immune systems. You know, you know by design, destroying those natural immune systems so we become dependent upon synthetic remedies. But the moment we return to nature, we have a relationship with our food, our hands are back in the soil. We start to listen to nature again. We start to actually get more in tune with it, where we're not just tuning into somebody on the weather station. What's the weather going to be tomorrow? We're actually aware of it, like, the, like our indigenous brothers and sisters are more aware. They know how to listen to the river. You know, when we, when we, when we tune out football, and as that's going to piss some men off, but I, I, some televised sports that's just taking the men out of the, out of this world. You know, they know more about, you know, their favorite basketball team and what grade point average and how tall they are and, and who they're dating than they do their own children. It's by design. Mm -hmm. They have no idea who's running their local politics, what their local economy is about. What's going on in the halls of their, uh, of their local capital? They have no idea, but they can tell you everything about the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. That's by design. These are distractions that pull us out of what's important in life. And for me, the most important thing in life are my children and all children. 
And so I, I don't take on any jobs and do anything that will have me neglect the precious time that I get to be with them during their formative years. Even if that means passing up millions of dollars. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Uh, freedom. Okay. It's a big topic. Um, a lot of freedoms have been taken away the last year. Yeah. By design. Talked about. So what I want to, what I'd like you to address is what do we do? Like practically, I mean, before we go maybe macro in a nitty gritty everyday reality, right? It's easy to look at what's happening and feel freaking powerless. Yeah. Like I, I have to stay at home. I have to do this thing. I can't go here. I can't do that. And so I don't want people to feel disempowered. I want people to feel powerful. I want people to feel empowered to make choices. But there's going to be people that say, well, Mickey, I don't have a choice to yeah. go here or go there or get a PCR test or get a this, or my job requires me to get a vaccination. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my livelihood, Mickey. So yeah. it's easy for you to say your poop to say or so-and-so to say, but i got five children to feed and yeah. I've got to make that choice. Otherwise, my mother doesn't want to see me. My grandmother doesn't want to see me. I, and so in the everyday world, how do we navigate? Let's say someone, and, and, you know, I think there'll be people with different beliefs and, and I welcome all of that. Like somebody might say, well, I don't want to wear a freaking mask going out or I don't want to fill in the blank. How, how does one navigate <coughs> in a world where there's so many limitations or it feels that way right now and still be free while in the world? Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of great questions, Coop. Um, honestly. It's, um, I have a, a, a lot of compassion <clears throat> for people that are in <clears throat> challenging financial situations or like the friend that I just got off the phone with before I, I jumped on here with you who is a, um, an actor in Hollywood and has gotten two shots and he called me because he said, now they're saying I'm not fully vaccinated and I have to get a third what do I do? Because he was all for it um, a few months ago, but now his wife is having some health issues after she got vaccinated. I have two former partners whose wives are, you know, they're all incredibly pro-vaccine and now they're calling on what is happening here. Like she can't sleep at night. She's her whole body hurts. They said it would go away. It's been six months. It hasn't gone away. It's getting worse. You know, any doctors that can help, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm not here to say I told you so because it doesn't make me feel any better. I get a little mad sometimes because I'm like, I just really wish you would have waited because that's all we said is just wait. This is, this, there's no, there's no runway for us to know what the long-term effects of these are. And what we do know is natural immunity is, is powerful. So get, go catch COVID and, and build the antibodies. And, you know, just like the Amish did, the Amish sent somebody out into the community to catch COVID, came back and they all drank out of the same wine glass. They all got COVID and they, and they built the antibodies. And they do that with every virus that comes out. And they have str they're strong because of that. But to answer your question <clears throat> as best I can, we have to get uncomfortable. And I mean, people on both sides of this, and I'll explain what I mean by that. The uncertainty, the thinking I might lose my job. I'm, we're now in the process of filming firefighters, 
frontline workers, truck drivers, pilots, people who were the ones who said no. And they walked away from high paying jobs. And some of them now are saying, yikes, you know, I have mortgages, I have things, you know, it's, it's, I don't know what I'm going to do in three months from now. And it's, it's scary for them. <clears throat> but on the other side of that is we all, if we've been decent people at all in our lives, we have people who love us and that might be friends and that might be family. And if someone's listening to this and they have people in their lives who are stuck in a hard place, my sister-in-law lives with us now because she said she might have to get the vaccine to keep her job. And I, she was visiting uh, several months ago and she, I said, you go back to LA and you quit your job and you come back here and you're going to live with us and I, I will help you. I'll do whatever I can. We're not, you know, independently wealthy or anything, but I will do whatever I can to help you find a job and you can live with us and, and in, until you do, until you're comfortable and you can do that because I'm not, I'm not going to let you do that. And so all of us need to make, we have to look at this like we're taking in refugees. We need to give people the options and let people in our lives know when they say that to us, you know, I'll help you. We'll do whatever we can. We'll help you. And, um, and for the people who are afraid to lose something, the, the one thing I can say is there's something that happens when you stand up for what's right, because you're not just standing up for yourself. You're not just standing up to save your job. When you say no to this, you're standing against tyranny. And when you stand against tyranny, you're standing for the human organism. Mm. And when you stand for the human organism with such a brave action as to lose it all, if you understand anything about mythology, the stories that have been told from the beginning of time, if you understand anything about the hero's journey, the work of Joseph Campbell, you understand that there's a massive sacrifice that the hero is, is forced to make. And so this is that moment that we all are the heroes of our own lives, and you make that massive sacrifice. And the, the phenomenon that occurs that is absolutely unexplainable, unless you believe in God, is something takes over. I've experienced this personally. And I mean, dozens, if not at this point, hundreds of people that I've interviewed will say, I took a leap. I just stood on my morals. I said, no, I knew in my heart something felt wrong. I didn't want to risk my safety. I didn't want to have to get sick because then I would really not be able to take care of my children. And I didn't know how it was going to work, but I just stood my ground and I said, no. And what ended up happening with my sister-in-law is she said, no. They before said, you cannot work remotely. And she said, well, then I quit. And they, now they've made it possible for her to work remotely. But that doesn't happen for everyone. Some people lose their jobs. And what comes in place, and I've had this, heard this story so many times now I can't even count, is some miracle takes over. They get a new job offering, sometimes in a new city, a new life. They start over. Some, something steps into their life to support that decision they made. Because it's a brave, it's a very courageous decision to stand for what's right, regardless of the consequences and the discomfort that may come with that. Speaking out publicly was one of the scariest things, one of the most painful things, and ultimately one of the most rewarding gifts I've ever received in my life. I had no idea, Coop, 
I'm six foot three, 200 pounds. And yet, like a baby, I was completely fearful of not being liked. I didn't know how, how, how rabid this was in, in my consciousness. Yeah, I was going to ask you about like, how you dealt with haters and, 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 and yeah. being disliked. How did you deal with that? It, you know, it, it's, it's been interesting because um, it was interesting, particularly to see people. Um, I mentioned earlier, I don't want to clarify what I meant by that, where some of the people in my former tribe, my community, um, that I'm no longer connected with, um, they, they, some of them were the, the most hateful. I mean, literally calling child product, protective, you know, agencies to, to try to take our children away. You know, like what, for, what you want our children to be taken away? Yeah. Cause you're a danger to society and you're a danger to your children. And what really, okay, that's interesting. Do you want to show me the data and I'll show you the data I have. And, and why don't we have a debate about this? But what, what, a, what, a, what a wild and extreme judgment you would come to. Um, and most of these are people who listen to CNN and MSNBC. It's the media that's creating this hysteria in people. Mm. And, but they have no data to back it up. Or they'll say, you know, the, uh, the CDC, we're following the science. And I'm saying, what week? Because the CDC has flip-flopped like as much as Anthony Fauci has. They, and they keep changing definitions of things. If people aren't aware of that, get aware of it. And understand that all of these organizations have been infiltrated by people behind this agenda. And, and that may sound impossible, but it's not. They've had many years to work up towards this, this point to where they have, they have put people in these positions. So for me, what I got from it was, I like to share this story because um, you, you remember back when I was creating something called Play It Forward? Do you remember I was, I was creating a, a, a distribution platform yeah, called yeah, Play It Forward? I remember. And during that time, I was studying, since we were creating this technology startup, I was creating, uh, I was studying uh, UX, user experience. So it's interface. Like, what does it take? Like, how, how does that work? I've never really paid attention before. I would jump on Facebook and just push the buttons and, and navigate the space. But now I was learning, oh, there's psychology behind all of it. Where they put the buttons, what they call the buttons. And then you do, you know, testing, you put it out in the world and you realize everyone's missing the contact us button because it's over here on the left. You put on the right, they see it. You know, you, all the psychology. And I was, as I was studying this user experience science, um, it was right around the time that Facebook changed their button from whatever it was originally to a like button. Now it's normal to us. You know, that's one of the interesting, you know, good and both bad things about humanity is, it, you know, we can pretty much just, everything becomes normal after a while. They can normalize just about anything. A lot of crazy things that are happening out there right now that just seem absurd that, you know, they're starting to become normal now. So we've lost that ability to critically think. Um, and part of that is by because the result of us denying reality. So I remember when it changed the like button, I just thought, everything I'm studying right now, that, that's such a weird choice that the biggest network in the world would choose. So now I have to go, I like you. You like me. I just thought that's, that's what a weird choice. They're probably going to change that back someday because that's, I, it just feels weird. But now I understand it was all part of the psychological plan to getting everyone addicted to being liked. How many creators are online 
that watch their likes. They have a video about how many likes did I get? Oh, I got 280,000 likes. Wow, it's successful. No, I only got 10,000 likes this time. Not that good. Or, oops, I shouldn't say that anymore because my likes go down when I speak that kind of truth. And so it's all about being liked. And I had no, I hadn't realized personally what kind of an effect this had on me. I've had a lot of viral videos. And so I'd become addicted to generating likes. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly now I put this video out in the world called Plandemic. And originally it was met with tons of high fives and gratitude of people saying, because they could just feel it resonating. They're like, I knew something was wrong. I knew it. Like this lady really helped me see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the media turns around and says, no, 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 she's bad. She's crazy. And this guy is an opportunist, crazy conspiracy theorist. Don't listen to him. And they had a hard time with me. They already had a lot of baggage on Judy Mikovit since she had already fought the system. They had already, because she was arrested and she stole something from the lab and she's a liar and all the stuff they already had ready for her. For me, they went looking and they went, oh, wow, okay, you uh, were on the road with Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard and, and you've been fighting for indigenous people for decades and you fought, <laughs> you're one of the biggest, you know, uh, supporters of, of uh, Dakota Access Pipeline, the, the, the Lakota people and, and Standing Rock. They couldn't put me in that category of crazy right winger or any of that. So they resorted in these smears of digging up videos of like my 50th birthday party where my incredible wife did this beautiful dance through the five whole flash mob. She did, she did a surprise for me through the five decades of my life. And it's just beautiful. And somehow the media says it was a cult gathering. She's a Jezebel and we're working black magic. And, you know, it's like, what are these people? Are, did people believe this? And the, the sad thing is, is yeah, some people do. And how so did, how, how do you deal with that, 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 overcoming the, the, that fear of, of, of being hated on? Because so many people don't put themselves out yeah. there, their, their work, their art, their songs, their yeah. creativity, live their purpose, because we're afraid of the feedback. And so yeah. how, how have you managed to... It's been so liberating. It's been so liberating, you know, because to be in that box, I didn't realize I was in a box, but to be in that box... Of, of, I have to now, I can't just express how I feel. I, and I remember I would write my post and go, oh, oh, if I use that word, that's going to trigger people. And I can't really say it how I feel it. I would, my writing process would be, you know, just dump it all out. And then I'd go back and now let me make it safe. Because I don't, I know I'm dealing with, you know, all these opinions and attitudes and people are on edge and they're ready to jump at you. And so I have to, let me go back and tailor it. And like, oh, if I say this, that's too honest. That's too... <laughs> That's too straight to the point. And now I don't care. I don't have to care about that anymore. I just go, this is how I feel. And it, it's true for me. It doesn't have to be true for you. But isn't that the beauty of like, I, I think this way and you think your way. And that's what makes my relationship. I'm almost 20 years with my wife. And it's like, we think radically different in so many ways. And it makes it interesting, you know, and sometimes it creates friction and through that friction, we grow together and we're losing that, that art, you know, because now it's just like, agree with us or you're out. You're in, you're in our tribe, you're in our cult, but you have to say everything that we say, because if you dare, if you dare say, Hey, that one little thing, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, Trump just uh, created prison reform and 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 that horribly racist policy that Bill Clinton put into place that disproportionately imprisoned, imprisoned brown and black men. Trump just undid it. That's something good we can celebrate together, right? No. You can't. You can't. We can't just look at things for what they are because it came from someone that we're not supposed to give any credit to. And so that's how the media sets things up so that you can, you, you can, the emotions override the wisdom. You can't just look at it and go, look, I don't know how much I, I, I dislike that person. I recognize that's a good thing for people. And I can't imagine how the, the, the grandchildren of, this, of these 4,000 men that were released from prison for having a joint you know, the three strikes you're outlaw was one of the worst, you know, and it, and it disproportionately in the way that it criminalized, you know, crack cocaine. If you got ca caught with the same amount of crack, which they consider to be a minority's drug, and then cocaine, which is the rich white man's drug, exact same incident, same amount of drugs. This guy goes to prison for life. This guy gets, gets a fine. This is what Bill Clinton created, right? And that was undone during Trump's presidency, but we couldn't celebrate that. Mm. And I found that bizarre. I put on a Facebook, I put out on Facebook, you know, like, can we just admit that this was a good thing? And I mean, people just came at me like, wow. and, and that bothered me at that point. Today, it wouldn't bother me because now I'm just like, I'm just going to stand for the truth. Mm. And I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that my truth is well vetted and researched. And I know what the hell I'm talking about. And if I put that out in the world, if you can't handle it, that's your own issue. It's not mine. It's beautiful. What what do you see? What 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 makes you hopeful? Because there might be some people looking at going through this time, feeling depressed, feeling disempowered, as we mentioned. Yeah. And I want to give people some hope. Uh, like these are intense times, challenging times. And what are you hopeful about when you look, based on the research you've done as well? Yes. And and, and so this isn't just emotional hyping and hoping. This is based on what you've studied, what you see. The people at your dinner table, conversations you've had, you look into the future, is there hope? What's, what are you hopeful about? This is the most incredible time to be alive. I mean that. I feel that. I mean that. I say it every day and I mean it every day. It is a challenging time. It is an uncertain time in many ways. It is a dark time in many ways, and it's about to get darker. So everyone has needs a brace for that. Oh, it's going to get it's going to get considerably worse. What do you mean by that? Just give us a little insight yeah. to what you see, so we can prepare ourselves. Yeah, um, you have to understand. You know, I I traveled on the road as a documentary filmmaker with presidential candidates, and I've got to know every, just about all of them in some way. Um, hanging out backstage at the DNC. Um, debates and all of that. You get to know these people. So you get to kind of understand um, the game of politics. And if, and if you know how to watch it, then you understand that when certain power groups start to lose power, they have uh, predictable tactics that they come back with. And so there are some very powerful entities that are uh, rapidly losing power right now. And, and their plans uh, are failing. And a lot of the pandemic plan 
you know, I want to say a real virus, a real manipulated virus, manipulated by man without a doubt through gain of function research. Um, but a bogus pandemic that should never have reached the status of a pandemic. There's nothing that indicates through science or any of it that this should have been declared a pandemic. If you understand the PCR te test, who created it? A man named Kerry Mullis, who won the Nobel Prize in biochemistry for creating the test, who said it should never be used for detection of a virus because it's a cyclical process and it depends on how many times you cycle the process, yeah. the cycle threshold, you can find anything in any one. Kerry yeah. Mullis said it's kind of, it kind of makes you consider that Buddhist notion that everything is contained within everything because it, the more times you cycle it, the more you can find just about any, any molecule in any being. And so when you understand the direction that the CDC gave, uh, that a lot of people say never cycle it past 28 cycles and the CDC at some point said 40. This is absurd mm -hmm. because you find you, you'll get false positives in everybody at 40 cycles. And so they can ramp up the cases and get everyone scared. Oh, we have 5,000 new cases today. Oh, well, oh, how awesome is it that the, an hour after Joe Biden was elected, the CDC said, only cycle at 28. Oh, now the numbers are going down. We have a new president. Trump's out. Oh, look at how much better it's getting now, right? It's all a game of politics. They can dial it up and dial it down. So when you understand that, um, you understand how all of this works. And so from that understanding, what we're about to experience um, leading up to the midterms and then leading up to 2024, um, there's going to be a major power struggle happening because some of the, um, I, I would say my former party, I've only been a Democrat my whole, my whole life. I've walked away from that party. Um, uh, after I got off the road with Bernie Sanders is when I walked, walked away from the party. Um, I've not, I've not uh, adapted a new party. I'm an orphan, political orphan. If I had to, I'd probably lean towards something closer to libertarianism, but even that's not perfect. Um, and so now I just, uh, uh, I, I, I'm just waiting to see what we develop, what solution we develop to this, to this two party system. Um, but what is going to happen, uh, what we'll see, we're already seeing the beginning of a uh, food chain um, sh a shortage. So we're going to see uh, supply chain shortage even greater. We're going to see um, uh, resource uh, inflation. So we're already seeing the gas prices go way up and we're going to see more of that. We're very likely going to see cyber attacks and, 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 uh, and power grid outages communication outages. So cell towers going down. Um, these are all, as things get revealed, this is how they control the flow of information. As things get revealed, just like a magician, they have to create an event over here. So everyone goes, that's where the truth is happening. But they go, no, look over here. Well, okay. And now this thing happens until they can fix it and make it go away. And they say, okay, you can look over there now. And so as all these things are meant as a distraction and it's, it's made um, to also put people in a position. Um, and if we can't see this by now, I'm, I'm really concerned for those who can't see by now that um, there is a concerted effort to kill small businesses. Yeah. And, you know, this is why they would say, oh, okay, well, you know, Walmart's open and, and all the big box stores are open. Um, but your local health food store is not open and your gym's not open. Oh, but the liquor store is open. We'll, we'll go ahead and let you, like the stuff they declared essential and non-essential yeah. is very telling to, to how much they care about us. And why has our, our medical um, people at the, at the helm of our 
you know, global medical teams. Why have you heard anyone come out and you remember all those big speeches they would give about the virus and it was all about fear and what's going on and the new variants, and the numbers and the cases and all of that. Did you ever hear Fauci or BRICS or any of those leaders say anything about the importance of natural immunity, how important it is to get vitamin D? Where do you get vitamin D from? The sun, you know, and, and instead the prescription was go in your homes where you're surrounded by the media that we want to feed you, disinfect your home, spray it full of toxic chemicals. They didn't tell people what kind, like you shouldn't spray this kind, because if you're living in a home where you're spraying many times a day around your children and your pets with these toxic chemicals, it's going to create an immune problem. They didn't say that to anybody. They said, disinfect your home. What happens when we live in a sterile environment and we don't go out in the sun? Ask anyone who's ever been in the ICU. People don't suddenly go, okay, you're checking out of the ICU, go home. No, they have to acclimate. They can't go back out into society for a while. They have to, they have to get, you know, get those bacterias back in their body. If they go from ICU outside, mm-hmm. they're going to die because their body, their immune system shuts down. So they've created this, this situation where everyone's in a sterile environment filled with toxic sterilization chemicals, no sunlight. And they and and no and they said nothing about eating healthy food, mm-hmm. and, and exercise and all the stuff that they really cared about us. That that would have been the first thing they would have said is get healthy people and get out in the sun. You get three hours a day in the sun, lay in your backyard, whatever it is, soak up that vitamin D, eat those oranges from the tree, eat organic. They would say these things. They didn't for a reason. You know, in Florida, the the the, the guy in Florida. Um, I think it's the Surgeon General who was appointed. Yeah. I saw an interview with this guy and the, 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 the top health guy in, in, in Florida that was just appointed by uh, DeSantis. And one thing I liked about what he said was the way that we're approaching this pandemic in Florida, which is based on fear, is, it, is no longer. We're no longer going to approach the pandemic from fear. And I love you, so I'm loving your T-shirt that says fear is the virus. And I really, this was the first public official I actually heard speak that way. Like the, the days of fear and dealing with this from fear is no longer. We're going to have to deal with it, with data, with science, with common sense, and with natural health. And, and yeah. so I, I really like that. And so it's going to get darker. Is there anything else you want to say about that that we should well, be aware of to prepare before you give us some hope, Mickey? Leave us you know, some yeah, hope. there's a lot of hope. We're gonna we're gonna get deep into hope. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go back on that because um, it's not even hope. Mm. I I I don't want to give hope. Okay. Good. Hope hope is the possibility that something good might happen. And so what I would where I live from is knowing. And so it may, some people may just, their first step is hope. And that's fine. If that's what you want to, you know, attain from this is hope. But things start to shift when we're in a knowing. I know that things are going to get better. I know that this is a stage that we're passing through. I know that we're going to heal ourselves from this. We're going to look past all these crazy ideologies that are dividing us right now. We're We're going to divorce ourselves from being followers of these corrupt leaders we're going to start to lead our own lives and we're going to end up in a world in the coming years that is far more evolved, wise, and sovereign 
and um, empowered to lead our own lives. I know that that's where we're going. So it's beyond hope. It's it's knowing. Um, but back to the the preparation that we need to do for this is to know that it's coming to expect it. So we're not broadsided by it. To, to know that all of the narrative around just do this two weeks to flatten the curve and then it's going to be over. I mean, how many of these things we need to get smarter to realize nothing they said has turned out to be so. We're in two years now to flatten the curve. How much longer are we going to keep listening to these, this misguided mess of these corrupt leaders that says, you get a vaccine, you go right back to normal, back to your life. That's all you need to do. Everything's normal. Joe Biden said, all of, all of them, Jen Psaki, all of them said, there's no situation, no scenario where we would ever be ma uh, mandating a vaccine for Americans. That will never happen. And now it's there. So people go, oh, it's not a mandate. No, okay, come on. It's, a, it's an underhanded mandate. And basically saying, no, you don't have to get it. But if you want to go to grocery store, if you want to fly, if you want to buy anything, if you want to go outside, if you want to go in any, in, you know, well, then people are like, so basically live in my home, isolate myself for the rest of my life or get the vaccine. Right. So that's, man, that's a mandate. <clears throat> that's an underhanded mandate. And so... Um, these things are, are, aren't going to stop. There's, there's nothing you can do to appease them to where you'll finally get to a point where we're like, we did it. We did it for the mankind. We did it for our neighbor. And now we're all free. Isn't it great? Now our liberties are back and we're back into a healthy environment. Never going to happen. It's, it's, we have to say no. Enough is enough. Stop right there. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to stand on my constitutional rights, which is why the constitution is always under attack. It's a, it's a incredible work that was formulated by some very, very wise men that knew what was coming and knew the potential of a tyrannical government. And so it was written as an experiment for a nation to be able to have, it's like you've created businesses. And typically when we create a business, and I, I can't imagine anything you've ever created, I'm sure it was created for a cause. Everything I've ever created was a cause. It was, to, it was to do something good in the world. And they always begin with a mission statement. Why are we doing this? Why am I creating Play It Forward? Well, I'm creating Play It Forward because I think that these conscious movies, the movies that really matter, that aren't just blood and guts and violence and, and, and all the other crap, the movies that actually, actually help us evolve, they don't have a home online. So I want to, I want to create a, a delivery system so that people that are looking for you know, more valuable entertainment, if you want to call it that, they, that, that becomes my mission statement. This is why I'm creating this. We can get into the how we're going to do it and how much money it's going to make and all that. But this is why we're creating this, this solution because there's a problem, there's a void. And America was created because of the history of genocide and, and corrupt kings and royalty and leadership that was enslaving its population. So they created documents for its citizens to live by, saying, you have, you have rights that cannot be shaken. Mm. And this is your right. And, and so it's, it's a mission statement for a nation. The reason it's under attack is because it's powerful. And it is what has made America, you know, the superpower and one of the 
one of the greatest destinations for all the rest of the world to come because of our constitutional foundation. And so when we hear these things, anyone that's preaching against it, like all oh, the constitution is outdated and old, and that's why there's amendments and whatever, be careful of those people. Because ultimately their end game is stripping your rights away. And you are a worker bee in their eyes. It's easy for us to go, well, look at Amazon. Use Amazon as, a, as, a, um, as a, an example. You know, it's drivers sometimes have to urinate in bottles because they don't have enough break time to actually stop and find a bathroom. Walmart employees, same thing. Apple's employees, you know, they, they as we know a few years ago, it was discovered that they had to put nets outside the windows in the other countries where Apple was being produced because people were jumping out the window committing suicide, sending SOS uh, messages and packages to people, let them, letting them know they're actually developing their iPhones in a sweatshop. I mean, you know, so this is, if we can look at that, it's easy for us to go, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's these greedy corporate people who run these mega monolith corporations, and they see their people as worker bees. Is that easy for us to agree upon? Walmart, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why can't we see our, our nation as a giant corporation? And so we have several CEOs, and we are employees. And they want to pay, they want us to have just enough resources to survive and be just healthy enough to get the job done for them, but not empowered enough to where we can sue them, where we have enough of our own clout and power where we can cause them any kind of trouble. Once we reframe and get that, that it's easier for us then to go, oh, okay, I get it now. So they're leveraging this virus to strip away our rights. And all in the, all in the guise of, of, of health protection, and those rights will never come back. And now that we have everyone that voted for, for, um, voted for, you know, censoring each other, um, now those laws are in place and now we can, um, control what people say. And now when they start to talk bad about the boss, you know, we can punish them. What do we do? What, what do we do and how can we, what advice can you give to prepare ourselves for this time? So the, the next two, three years, right? You were talking about 2024. Yeah. yeah. Think about the things you're dependent upon. Mm. Think about the technology and the things you're dependent upon. We're all addicted to our smartphones. I'm one of them. I purposely went to the gym today and I left it in the car. And it's just <laughs> how many times I went to my pouch. Where? Oh, oh, yeah, it's in the car. It's in the car. Okay. <laughs> or I went, I'm pick, I, oh, shoot. It's not here, right? It's like, it's amazing at how much of a reflex that is for me. So look at the things that, that we're dependent upon, you know, and, and imagine those things not being there. And imagine not, not being there for three months. Just pick a, pick, pick a time element. What would you do if you had no electricity in your house for three months? What, what do you have a system in place of how to get a hold of your family and people if your phone goes down? We have all the stuff. We have you know short wave radio stuff, and we have all of that. We we survived this crazy winter that happened here in Texas last year, and it really woke us up because you know it wasn't without power and water for a week. It was like wow, okay, we're not ready. 
<laughs> so we got a bunch of food that's non-perishable food. We have uh, communication devices and we have plans set up with our friends. And we say, listen, if this happens again, um, we're going to radio each other and then we'll meet at one of our houses and we'll hang out together and we'll have a great time and um, get a fire going. And so let's get the wood chopped and have all that ready to go. And, and we'll ride it out as, as long as we can. But the food is a real issue. So having, having food stored up, especially in a time when they're trying to short the supply. Um, other things we can do is, is stop buying from the, the countries. I want to make a very clear distinction. We're at war with China right now. People don't know that. But we're at war with the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, not the ch beautiful Chinese people. And we have to stop conflating governments with its people in the same way that people hate Americans because of what our government has done. I, I haven't done that. And you haven't done that. And people listening to this, they're, they're, they're good Americans, I would assume. But our, our government has done so much bad in other parts of the world that people conflate our government with us. We didn't make those decisions. But in a sense, we allowed them. In a sense, we, we did, because we didn't know the game, we said, yeah, they, you know, the World Trade Center happened. Let's go bomb those people. That, that's how they do it, right? They get us worked up. And so that we actually put aside our morals and we don't think about the innocent people that are going to perish because we're worked up. And when we're, when we're in a place of anger or fear, we shift into that mammalian brain, that fight or flight mode, and our critical thinking capacity goes on, on pause. And that's the moment that, that, the, that these false prophets and leaders step in. They can actually detect that like a dog smells fear, right? They can actually detect, okay, you're not really thinking for yourself right now. Great. Let me tell you that you need me. And all you need to do is vote for me and donate to me and do this and tell all your friends and I'll come in and fix everything for you. And they don't, and they never will. So have those resources ready, you know, and, and the worst case scenario is you don't need them and that would be wonderful, but they're there. You don't want to, you know, the worst case scenario is, um, is that you do need them. Best case scenario is you don't need them. And so, um, so have those things ready because they're, they, they, you know, there's some uh, wicked people that own um, some of the power companies. There's some, some of the wicked families that are behind all this who have bought into some of the power like PG&E and some of the power companies in Southern California and all of that. And so all of that stuff is vulnerable. And if they get angry enough and, and they need to protect themselves enough, then they will create a, a massive distraction and, and not think twice about the fact that babies will die and old people will die. It doesn't matter to them. We're disposable. And so that's the reality. So, so just understand that it, it, it will get worse. But here's leaning towards the good news now is the, the, the knowing, the, 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 not just the hope, but the know. Exactly. Here's, here's um, we, it, it has to get worse before it gets better. If we had the ability right now to just stop all of this, um, it would be premature. Here's what I mean by that. Every week, I'm having people reach out to me. Um, do you remember my partner, Drew? Back at the film, he was helping me run the film festival. Drew, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say too much about him because he's a he's known publicly, and I don't want to I don't want to out any of his private stories. But, but, um, um, Drew reached out to me after the release of Plandemic One, and he's a wonderful person, and and 
he said, um, he was very disappointed with me. He said, I'm really, really shocked. Um, I've always loved you and respected you. And, but what you just did is incredibly irresponsible and, um, and people are dying and, and this is going to cause a lot of harm in the world. And I'm just, I'm really got to let you know how I feel. This is bad. What you've done is bad. And I reached out to him and I said, Drew, there's so much more happening that you're clearly not aware of. I, I, I really strongly recommend that you do your research. And if you need help, I'll send you. And I sent him links and he probably didn't watch one of them. I reached out to him a few months later because he's in Australia. And Australia, I don't know how much you know about Australia, but it's an absolute police state right now. They're, they're rounding up their Aboriginal people, forcing them to get injected. They have camps oh. set up for the unvaccinated. Two people just escaped the camp. They got arrested. I mean, it is, it is, that's what's happening in Australia right now. And so he's in Melbourne, Australia. And um, I, I reached out to him when all this stuff started to become known of what's happening in Australia. And I said, Drew, just considering what's happening in your country right now, I have to ask, are you seeing it yet? And he wrote back, am I seeing it? Yeah, I'm seeing my country eradicate a deadly virus and do everything they can to save us. And he was proud of what his country was doing. And I went, wow, wow, okay. Well, that's a whole other perspective. And, um, and then just a couple of weeks ago, I got an SOS from a woman in, in Australia, literally SOS from Australia. And it was heart-wrenching. She was like, I am risking my freedom just by sending you this video. Please help us. You have a big platform. You, I got to tell you, she broke down. She goes, here's all these stories of people I know, what's happened. I know a guy who got arrested because he was pulled down his mask to take a drink, sip of coffee. I know a person who was in a park who was supposed to be exercising for one hour. They stopped doing jumping jacks to rest for a minute. They got, they got uh, ticketed and cited and threatened. Um, I know people who haven't left their home in 300 days. You know, it's really bad. Help us. You know, we need, we cannot protest here. If I put anything out on Facebook here, I know of a pregnant woman who put something out on Facebook. She got arrested. They came to her home. What do we do? And so I reached out, I sent this video to Drew and I said, I, um, I would love to get your take on this, Drew. And Drew wrote back and he said, well, considering that five of my close friends are now vaccine injured and my wife is one of them. I introduced him to his wife. Um, now my wife is one of them. Um, I would say something is awry. And now Drew's sending me information. Sent me a, 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 something that kept me up last night. A very alarming new video that just came out. I won't get into that right now. But he's, he, he's clearly down the rabbit hole. And he's now he's fully on board saying, what the F is happening here. This is gone. He goes, he goes, I can't go to my gym, but I can go to the liquor store. I can't go here. But now he wrote me this whole letter saying like, you know, he didn't say, I'm sorry, <laughs> but he just said, all right. Something, you know? yeah. So I say that I tell that, thank you for listening to that story. I say that because um, if this would have turned off before Drew had a personal experience, I'm sorry that his wife is now injured. She's in her six months now of having what she calls pins and needles through her whole body. Neither one of them had COVID. She went to see a specialist. He said, oh, it's probably, uh, uh, it's just, it can't be the vaccine. It's a result of COVID. It's a, a late reaction to the COVID. And she goes, I don't think I had COVID. So they tested her and they said, oh, Oh, you actually haven't. Okay. Maybe you got it through your, your husband was an asymptomatic carrier or whatever. They tested him. He never had COVID. They go, what does that mean? It was a vaccine. Oh, okay. It was a vaccine. Okay. So I'm sad that his wife, beautiful woman is injured. 
Um, but unfortunately, half of our nation and our world will have to experience this firsthand. Because if they don't, we'll end up back here in a few years. So it's got to get worse for people to go, okay, because every day people are, are going, I've had it. I was all for it. I was shaming people online for not getting vaccinated. Now I'm regretting that because, you know, I'm realizing this is about something else. This is not about health anymore. I've had three vaccines. Now they tell me I have to get boosters. I've, I've, I didn't have COVID when I wasn't vaccinated. Now that I am vaccinated, I've had COVID twice. Um, you know, I was almost hospitalized. Um, this new variant Omicron came from a nation where, uh, it started the first four people that was detected in were all fully vaccinated. When you look at the study of Israel of 2 million people that, that were fully, you know, 85% vaccinated and they discovered that, you know, 85% of the hospitalizations are all people who were double vaccinated and that they they declared that the natural immunity is at least 13% more powerful than any vaccine. And no one's listening to any of that stuff. These are the best trials we can get. They're real world trials um, that, that are, are numbers that we can measure through science that are happening right in front of us. Uh, all the most vaccinated territories are the ones that are seeing the most recurrence and, and the new variants and all of that. And so this is what the experts warned us. They said, if you vaccinate during a pandemic at this stage, you are going to train the virus to be more intelligent, to work around the vaccine. And that's what's happening now. Yeah. And so that no one listened. And so at what point are we going to listen? So it's got to get worse for the rest of the other 50% to go, uh oh, something is not right. And so that way, when then everything gets better again, we can all make a collective agreement. Let's not do this again. Let's stay healthy. Now let's, let's, let's get some real health leaders that, that know that, that big pharma isn't the solution to everything. I'm a lover of, of medicine. I had a knee replacement. I, I, I marveled at the fact that a surgeon could go into my knee, take a cadaver knee, put it in my knee, and now I walk fine 20 year, 15 years later. I can do sports again. So I'm grateful for Western medicine and the miracle that it can be, the promise that it is. But just like anything, sex, food, there's good food and bad food. There's beautiful sacred sex and there's demented, dark sex. All of it can be abused. And so we're talking about the area of medicine that is being abused and that's dark and deadly. Not all medicine, not all vaccines, not all doctors. That's the conflating problem that, that we tend to do, right? We should be able to fight, but then you get Anthony Fauci going on, which what he just said, you know, he, he just said it again for the third time on national television. I am science is what basically what he said. When you insult Tony Fauci, always speaks about himself in a third person, which is a total trait of a narcissist. When you insult Anthony Fauci, when you attack Ant Tony Fauci, you're attacking science because I represent science. Scientists all over the world are complaining about that. They're all saying, you do not represent science. That's like saying I'm the spokesperson for the world. Science is not a thing. It's not a corporation. It's not a company. You're not the spokesperson of science. You're, you're a, a doctor who hasn't even practiced in 35 years. You're a doctor who, is, who has flip-flopped and lied to the American public over and over and over again, all within the past two years. You know, let's wake up, people. You know, and I think with what I'm hearing, too, 
Mickey, you said waking up. I think this whole situation, uh, what we're going through, is triggering and causing us to wake up and question, and begin questioning. And I think that questioning is powerful. And I really believe that that's really what we need to do is question who are we and why are we here? And I think from that realization, realizing no one's going to come to save us and we all have to step into that leadership for our own selves, that sovereignty, as you talk about, for our, for our own lives and purpose. And so I see that as a real um, possibility, an invitation to us all. Mickey, I've, loved, I've loved this conversation, but honestly, you, you've, you've stretched my thinking. Um, Can I add to that last thing you just said before we, or, or we have a hard out? Yeah. No, no, we don't have a hard out. I mean, I, I just want to be respectful to your time as well. There is one final question I do want you to answer, but, but go, go ahead. Go ahead. So just to make sure that we fulfill our promise to leave people uh, on the upswing, um, yeah. you, just, you just touched upon the reason that I'm in a state of knowing. Mm-hmm. I've spent uh, many, many years studying the history of human mythologies. And there is something quite fascinating with all of the stories that we've been telling ourselves since the cradle of civilization. The stories etched on cave walls, the stories around campfires, all the way to present day. They have a a very, very common theme to them. And you just touched upon it. And that is, if you think about any iconic movie that stands the test of time, that's worth going back 20 years later to watch or 30 years later to watch, you'll notice that there's a a very, very common formula within the structure of the writing. And it's typically a a reluctant hero, a normal person who's thrust into some kind of a, a crisis and that goes on the hunt for the savior, the mentor, the, the, the person who's going to slay the dragon. And, and what they learn ultimately is the forces within. You are the one. Yep. Very common thread through all of these iconic masterpieces. And so the reluctant hero r- realizes that they are the one that is going to save their world. And th- they, they're t- typically people who are not fit for the job, mm-hmm. but they... they are able to bring something forth from within a power that's so much greater than their, their, their physical strength or anything. Mm. And they, they, it's how cliche is it at this point that we've seen the battle, every Marvel movie, right? Where there's the big fiery crescendo and, and, and this reluctant hero is battling the forces of darkness and they're beaten to the ground. And how many times have we seen the scene where we go, Oh no, hero's dead and then the finger twitches or the eyes flutter open and the music builds and then they 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 rise with a new power and they defeat the dragon that's why i know where we're headed we've been telling that story for a reason we've been telling that story because it's our future we've been telling that story because it's our story and so this is the moment that we wake up this is the moment to realize that we are the one and the, the force is within And there's nothing that we cannot survive. We are the most brilliant and resilient. This this story that we've been sharing, 
that humans are a parasite, that we are failed experiment, is all by design to lower our own esteem about who and what we are so that we will commit these atrocities against each other and ourselves. We have to come back to realizing that we are an incredibly brilliant system in concert with nature and all the powers of nature and all of the creative forces of the universe. And so this is our moment to, it's a wonderful thing that we have lost trust in the systems, that we have lost trust in our leaders, that we now see that it's all stacked against us. It's wonderful because the other side of this is us coming into our true power, true power, not egoic power, not greed power, but our true power. And that's in that, for me, that's the power of love. I think love is the most fierce, sharpest sword we will ever carry. We've, it's been made to feel like it's a, and I know you understand, I remember your video, Love Now, right? It's like, that's a beautiful statement, love now, and do it every time. And it doesn't always look like love, and it may not always feel like love, it's fierce. But it's, it's literally a power, a superpower that we all have the ability to exercise in every moment. And so when I deal with the haters, I deal with them with love. I deal with them because I realize that what they're really mad at me about is that they've listened to the media and they think I am the threat to their lives and the lives of their loved ones. And so what does that mean? That means they love their loved ones. They love life. And that's where we meet because I love my loved ones and I love my life too. And so if we can agree that, we're, that life is worth fighting for, but we just need to get more exact about who are the ones that are actually a risk to our life and our survival and fight them and not even fight them in certain circumstances, just defund them, stop paying them with our attention, stop paying them with our, our money, stop, you know, start to support each other in our own endeavors and bypass their crooked systems. As Buckminster Fuller said, build something new that renders the old obsolete. You can't ever defeat an old system by defeating an old system by fighting it, but by creating something so incredibly new that it gravitates and pulls people to it such that they just walk away from the old system. So let's get our creative spirits alive together, our innovative brilliance together. Let's stop fighting each other over all these ideologies and all of our differences and celebrate our differences and realize that we're all in this, literally, this experience together. together. And, and, you know, and by realizing that, it, it will expedite the, the victory that we're all destined to experience together. Again, I have no doubt. The final question I ask everyone to, to leave the audience with is, is simply this. If you were to, and you said a lot today, but if you were to reflect on your life, the ups, the downs, the challenges, the things you've been through, the life lessons, the successes, um, the learnings. If you were to think of the three most important, shall we say, soul learnings that you have taken from your human existence in this lifetime, and if you could only pass on three of the most important lessons that you feel would evolve your children, the next generation the most. Just in a nutshell, I'm curious what these three key Mickey Willis wisdoms would be hmm. that you could pass on to your sons. Yeah. I, one of the most critical things I pass to my sons is, is teaching them how to think and not what to think. So for us to learn how to think again, we have, there's, a, there's a cognitive issue, collective cognitive issue that we have. It's the way that we think we've been wired to be, um, for our minds to be led by other people. 
And so to come back into that point of critical thinking, which, which works in tandem with this thing that we call our intuition, is a very powerful force. And I mean your feelings, because feelings lie to you. You know, we can feel like everyone's attacking me or no one likes me or whatever. Those are all the, the bogus feelings. But I'm talking about intuition, true, pure intuition. This thing that allows for thousands of birds to fly in unison and turn on a dime and never bump into each other. It's just a one beautiful, graceful organism of birds. But humans have a hard time just being in a relationship. A man and a wife that love each other. Still, they have a hard time just communicating. And it's because we're out of that natural system of just relating to each other. We relate to each other through our minds and through our, our analytical judgments of each other. And, and we're often in the wrong relationships. We, we, we're, we love people as long as they're giving us what we want. And the moment they don't give us what we want, we, we can turn so fast. And so, you know, coming back to good relations with each other, where it's not about getting something from each other, but it's about being with each other, like being fully present, which I think would be number two for me, just really understanding what, what true presence is. I, you know, my work is to give my wife and my children my true presence, not just my time, not just my physical body in their space, but they're my, my purest presence where I don't, I'm not busy with something else in my head. And I'll be very clear with them at times. This is not a moment that I can give you my presence. So if that's what you're expecting from me right now, you're not going to get it. I'm busy right now. I have a deadline. I have a job to do. But the moment I'm done, I'm going to find you. And we're going to, and we're going to, I'm going to listen to you fully what you need to share. And I keep that promise. So it's being clear with the way that we're in relationship like that. And I think the other thing for me personally is um, being truthful, living in truth. And knowing what truth is, and it's, it can be confusing in this age where there's, there's this war against truth. But the work that I do now is just, I don't care what side of the political spectrum it falls on. I don't care. I don't look at any of that stuff. I'm not trying to maneuver my work such that it, it wins accolades from a certain party or whatever. None of that matters. Is it honest? Is it truthful? And am I being a true friend? Because I've, you know, I, I've really had to, particularly after pandemic, I've always thought I was a real um, honest person. But I, in the past, I had pe- people, and it was always a, 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 a um, when people would say, you could call me anything, but a couple of times in my life, somebody would, had, had said, you're, you're, you're a big phony. And I remember that hurting me so bad. Then I remember thinking, why does it hurt so bad? Because if I'm not that, if someone says to me, you know, you're Chinese, I'd be like, what? <laughs> I'm not. So that doesn't hurt me because it's just absurd. But I, I, two or three times in my life, somebody says, you're phony. And I thought, wow, I don't feel phony. I don't see where I'm phony at all. Mm-hmm. But after the experience with pandemic and having this place where I went, I have to really re-examine now who my true friends are. Because people will ask me all the time, they'll say, I bet you lost a lot of friends, didn't you? And I'll say, not one. (laughs) I lost a lot of people that I thought were my friends. But if people go away because you have an opinion that is different from theirs, they're not your friend. Yeah. 
their agreement accomplices. And so I had to really look at that and go, wow, in a certain way, I was being phony. I was, we were friends because we were in this collective agreement with each other. And since then, I've been really watching myself of going, this person's telling a crude joke that I really kind of don't like, but I'm laughing at it because I'm uncomfortable. That's phony. Oh, now I see what those people meant when they said that to me, because they were, they were detecting something in me that I was trying to be so, so liked that I was going along with things in my life that um, I, I, I didn't really, I was behaving in a way that wasn't real. I was agreeing with people that I really didn't agree with. I didn't have the balls to say, excuse me, the courage to say, you know, I don't agree with you. And, you know, I spoke last week and, and somebody got up and I showed some video work and somebody got up with some rebuttal to say, you know, I love you, but I got to be honest with you. I disagree with boom, 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 boom. And what he said, everyone in the room strongly disagreed with. Um, and, and I could have argued with him and I could have even showed him the data of where he, what he was saying was not, not accurate. But instead, I, from a new point of view in my life, I looked at him and I said, I said, good for you that you would stand up in this room. I don't agree with what you just said, but that's okay. Yeah. But the fact that you would stand up knowing the, the group think in this room and say yeah. what you said, good for you. That's leadership. That's, 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 you know, now you just got to get your facts straight. But the fact that you were willing to stand up here against the grain of all these people and say what you just said and get all these grumbles and whatever, like, I honor you, bro. That's awesome. Very powerful. Thank you. I didn't either debate him or make him look bad or do anything like that. It's like, let them empower him for that courage to speak what he felt was true in that moment. And so, you know, I, the third thing would be just being true, just being truthful. Yeah. Yeah. I think truth is the foundation of life and it's, it's, it's definitely, I want to just acknowledge you for your willingness to be true brother. And um, your courage, because I think in putting out Pandemic, uh, both documentaries, the first one, the second one, and living how you're living uh, in alignment with your truth and your purpose, I think it's, uh, I'm inspired by it. I'm inspired to have this conversation. Keep being you, keep sharing your light, keep sharing your love, keep shining, brother. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to have a conversation with you today. And so thank you for coming on and just sharing so openly with everyone on Soul Talk, sharing your soul. Uh, I want people to find out about what you're up to and what's the best way people can connect with you, your website, uh, what you have going on. Uh, fill us in. Plandemicseries.com. Everything's on Plandemicseries.com. All our movies are there for free. 100% free. There's several. Um, there's the, the two pandemic movies and there's a bunch of excerpts from the movies that are there. Um, the link to my book is there. I wrote the book from a, it, it's, it went to number two on Amazon without any advertising. I was very um, surprised by that. Um, and the feedback has been amazing. It's got almost all five stars because it was really written to um, help explain some of the misinformation that's out there, but also to help us heal. So it's, um, it's the book that you can give to a family member who might not be willing to see what you see yet. 
and say, check this out. It's, it's written in a gentle way that will help them um, open their heart and their mind to, to the greater aspect of what's really happening on our planet. Um, and, uh, and then there's a, a sign up for a newsletter that's on that same website. And that's where we do all of our communications. And we usually release all of our movies first through that website. So if you want to see what we have coming up next, um, which is a lot of stuff we're about to release. Uh, we just did a film about the Afghanistan debacle that just happened. And we've been engaged in helping uh, rescue people from there that are still trapped there. And so we have a film that we're about to release on that and several other um, very important initiatives that we're involved in now. That was uh, one of the uh, many gifts that came through pandemic is the uh, uh, the level of um, people that we're working with and the work that we get to do now is really um, uh has the potential to move the needle in, in uh, ushering the world towards um, um, being what we all intended it to be when we chose to come into these bodies. And so um, I'm grateful for that. And I also want to say to you that um, I've, um, I've always admired you, your, your, the way that you have blended um, the power of love with uh, helping people um, understand the importance of sovereignty through creating their own wealth and their own freedom that way, the way that you've always articulated yourself, the way that you've stayed out of the fray, you've stayed out of a lot of the, the, um, the, the circles of, uh, I will just say that we're probably um, um, more toxic than they, than they were self-help. And um, so I've, I've admired watching you navigate through um, all of the different uh, experiences that we uh, have shared from uh, together or um, or from afar, and uh, I appreciate this time with you. And it's been, great, uh, it's been I, great to have you on, brothers. Really, thank you. Great to have you on. Really thank appreciate you for coming on. Could you just repeat the website again? Plandemicseries.com. Okay, folks, you heard it. Plandemicseries.com. Check it out. If you haven't read the book, it's a really awesome book. Easy, easy read. I read it in a few days. Powerful stuff. Check out Mickey's work. Looking forward to Plandemic Three. Can't wait. Sending yeah. you lots of love. Um, folks, told you this was going to be a very uh, in-depth and, shall we say, mind-blowing, soul-expanding interview. We, 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 it's probably the longest interview on Soul Talk so far in three and a half years, 200 plus episodes, but we went deep. Hopefully you took some good notes. Uh, share this episode with everyone in your life that you feel would benefit and uh, send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I would love to hear your key takeaways from Soul Talk this week with Mickey. Much love, everyone. Big hugs. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.